Tell him you really look good. preaching about how many is thankful for some good teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to tell you this. There's churches you can go to that they've got the preaching down. And boy, they have preaching, preaching, preaching. But they're lacking that there's not teaching. And then there's some places you can go that they've got the teaching. Boy, that's down. But there's no motivating, convicting preaching. But I thank God for a balance of both of them. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You need you need, you know, sunlight and water to grow a plant. You need teaching and preaching yes. if you're going to grow. God. Amen. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Hey, why don't we take a minute and prepare our hearts for just a moment. Just talk to God. And maybe you hadn't talked to God at all this morning. This is an opportunity for that. Lord, we love you today. We want you to speak to us from your word. God, show us what it is that we need to learn. Lord, we don't claim to know everything. We don't claim to have it all together, God, but we're opening your word today, and we're open to whatever it is you have to say to us, Lord. Teach us from your word. Show us what you want us to see. We're open to it, God. We don't have any any uh, preconceived ideas about what this ought to be this morning, Lord. We're leaving it all up to you. Speak to us from your word and use me for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. And you can be seated. On this cool, beautiful Sunday morning. <clears throat> if you would turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 24. Over the last few weeks, we have <clears throat> studied a little bit on the early life of David, interactions that David had. You may recall the lesson we had here a while back about the relationship that David had with Jonathan. There was a camaraderie there, uh, there was reverence. For the man of God there. Uh, we've talked about that. We've talked about submission. Everybody remember that? Yeah. Talked about submission to the leadership that God's placed in our life. And not only that, but submission to each other as it is necessary. This is all biblical. <laughs> and this morning we're going to talk um, about leadership and respect. Now, if you have your bulletin, the titles in there as, as well as these scriptures. So if you would read along with me, 1 Samuel chapter 24. And it came to pass afterward, this is verse 5, that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. You go to verse or chapter 26, verse 7, it then says, So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. In other words, when I smite him, it's going to be one time. I won't have to do it again. <laughs> And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come. Now that's a phrase that we use. There's a lot of phrases in the Bible that people use that don't know a thing about the Bible. They've come from it. That's where we get it. And this phrase, his day shall come, or their day is going to come. It's in the scripture right here before us. This is where it started. Or he shall descend into battle and perish, 
Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. Pay attention to that. Several times now he said, the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and they gat them away and no man saw it nor knew it neither awake, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Skip to verse 23, our key verse. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. The Lord delivered thee into mine hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy, as thy life was much set by this day, in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. We have this morning two different occurrences, two different places, times in which David had every single opportunity to take care of, if you will, the King Saul forever. There wouldn't be much of a challenge. He even had backup if it were to go wrong. It was all placed in his hands, but David didn't go through with it. Temptation was there, but he did not. And there was a reason behind that this morning. Now, I want to take just a minute and uh, let's, let's do a survey this morning. Who has ever heard the public personality name, Tim Tebow. That's just about everybody in the room. Now, if you don't know who that is, he was, uh, for a period of time, a star quarterback. He gained his most notoriety for, for playing for the Denver Broncos. And uh, what some people don't know about him is he was the youngest of five children and his parents were missionaries to the Philippines. And this, that, they were missionaries when he was born. They were missionaries in the Philippines. He grew up in a Christian family that instilled those values in him. Can I just say this morning that I've met a lot of missionaries and there is something different about missionaries. Uh, I'm not telling you that you have a lesser faith today. But what I am telling you is they have gone to extremes when the Lord has asked that maybe the Lord hasn't asked us because it's not his plan for us. But nonetheless, they went through with it. Now, it takes a great amount of faith. Amen. Just, just recently at General Conference in Indianapolis, uh, they always release the schedule of speakers for these events. Well, there was one slot for a night service that there was, it just said TBA to be announced. Nobody knew who was speaking that service. Every other one we did. And so everybody's wondering, well, what's the plan here? Did they lose somebody? Somebody couldn't make it or what is it? And that was not the case at all. Situation was when everybody got there, uh, you know, they were shooting the service live. They actually cut off the tape because there was a missionary that was preaching that is a missionary to a country in which if somebody from that country watched this video and seen that they were involved spreading the gospel in their country, they would immediately send people out to ready themselves to kill that person. That's right. And I want to tell you what, that's happened at General Conference and it's happened at Because of the Times, the same type of thing, a missionary from a land where they are risking everything, every single day. That's right. It's not just missionary to Europe, or, and I'm not belittling that today, but you understand what I mean. Every day is a risk of their life. And there is something about when these people begin to preach the Word of God with the type of conviction and faith that they have, I was not present because of the time service, but I was told by somebody who was that that by the time this man got done preaching at this service, there were seasoned men of God that have been doing this much longer than they have that had their faces in the carpet. 
from what hits spiritually in that service. There's something that is about a missionary. God places something about them, a spirit, an anointing that others simply do not have. Um, now, Tim Tebow, to my knowledge, is not you know, apostolic, does not believe everything that we believe. However, there, there is something there because he would put a display of his faith on, not just for people to, you know, for him to grow in his reputation among people, but he sincerely cared. He wanted faith in God to be known in everything that he did. And so you might remember it was a huge deal for a while. He would, before the game, he would take a knee and he'd put his head on his hand and he'd begin to pray. He'd do that every time. And now he's not in the middle of football anymore and it's actually pretty amazing. Now he's in the minor leagues for a baseball team, New York Mets, and he's following another dream and he does it very similarly. He'll pray before every single game for the Mets. And he's just doing what he knows. He may change profession. He may go here and do this, but what's instilled in his life doesn't change because of who he's around. That's right. Oh, that can be easy to do. You know, we, 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 we can adapt to people that are around us. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the boss is close, and so I got I to gotta be professional, you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe I'll skip praying, you know, before my meal. I'm not telling you you're just absolutely going to help or something like that, but I'm just saying you change a lot of times the people that you're around, but God wants us to be the same disciple everywhere we're at. Amen. All this other stuff is exterior. It's 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 things that are necessary. You gotta work a job. You gotta have neighbors. But all those things we're trying to get to adapt to what's in us. Yes. Instead of us adapt to what's around us. Can I have an amen? And so his praise, his prayer, all these things were public. And it's amazing how a simple gesture like prayerful respect made an impact on millions of people. They'd hear about it, you know, and it was discussed. People criticized it. People praised it, you know, and, and, and people are going to think what they want to think. You got to live it anyway. Right. Because people are going to think what they think. That doesn't change what's right and what's wrong. Right. Amen. That never changes. That's set in order by God Himself. Amen. And so, it don't change to the people. Praying in public can be intimidating, but when we push past the feelings of embarrassment and what people's going to think, how they're going to react to me, uh, and, and bow our heads and talk to God, like we know that He wants us to, it impacts those around us. And we're not doing it to gain notoriety or to be seen like the Pharisees. I'm not getting up here and calling you a brood of vipers this morning, but that is what they were called because they would pray the loudest. Yeah. I'm not against praying loud, okay? I'm talking about praying loud so that the folks in the balcony can hear you. You know what I mean? They would do that. They would go on fast and tell everybody about it. You know? Yeah. But March, I haven't had a bowl of cereal in a week. You know? And Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees. John the Baptist is not as nice. And we don't do it for those reasons. That's not why we do it. We do it... <laughs> First of all, for a commitment to God. Amen. First and foremost, it's between us and Him. But secondly, we've got to be ready, the Bible says, to give a reason of the hope that is in us when somebody asks, when somebody does see you pray, when somebody does see you do something out of characteristic for every other human being on the face of the earth. It's godly. They know it is. There's something different. You've got to be ready that changes people. People are watching. They're watching every action that you have, looking for something that is hope. And we've got to have ready a reason of the hope. 
because you can make a lasting impact on somebody around you. I don't know everybody that you know. Because of that, I can't have a lasting impact on the people you can. There's people only you can reach. Amen. Pastor can't reach him. I can't reach him. There's people only you will be able to reach. I can get up here and preach a fiery sermon, but it may not do any anywhere near what you can do by your actions around them and what you say to them. They don't know me like they know you. And so these actions that we do in public, it's important. And they also watch how we treat others. Now this is a biggie, okay? People want to see when it matters to you, when it can benefit you, what you're going to do. How are they going to react? It tells the story, right? Yes. It tells the story. A pastor was building a significant church building. The decision to proceed with the project had been made by the church trustees and then the entire congregation. A loan was secured for the building. And the project began. Some months into the project, the banker to whom the project had been assigned contacted the pastor. And the banker was concerned. The secretary of the church had visited the banker to communicate to her that he saw no way for the church to ever repay the loan. And as can be expected, that pastor was frustrated and angry when the pastor met with the banker all of the concerns were addressed. Everything was fine. And the secretary of the church had not shown proper respect to his pastor, the church's trustees, or the decision of the church body itself as a whole to go through with the plan. The gentleman's lack of respect temporarily cast the church in a bad light in the community people had this notion that there was something going on in this church or disagreement, strife. The pastor met with the secretary to address this matter. The secretary could not justify acting as he had. Even if the concern was viable, his first responsibility was to speak with his pastor. Amen. I'm going to back up and say that again. Even if the concern was real, his first responsibility was to speak with his pastor. That's right. He did not show respect to the leader in his life, and his act had embarrassed the church and his pastor. When the meeting ended, the secretary tendered his resignation to the pastor, and the wise pastor would not accept it. In all matters except this one, the man had served well, and the pastor told him, what has happened is between me, you, and the church's banker. It'll stay that way. It's wise leadership. Yes. That pastor demonstrated more respect than what had been given to him. Yes. And the secretary became one of the pastor's most devoted supporters. Three observations can be made from what I just read to you relative to respect leadership. One, the behaviors of the two men offer a sharp contrast. One was respectful, the other was not. The pastor extended respect to a man who some might say did not deserve respect in that moment. Two, being respected is not certain. You can't always count on that. Even when a leader makes good decisions, can't always count on it. In this instance, the pastor who had made the decision in concert with the whole church was not respected. And three, being respectful to other leaders is a choice you got to make. Amen. The secretary made a mistake, but his pastor chose to treat him with respect. Now, this is a real situation, something that actually happened, but let me back out of that specific situation and say this. Before you talk to anybody else about it, it is great, it is wonderful, it is holy to talk to your pastor. That's right. Amen. If anything's going on, 
It's always better, I promise you, to talk to your pastor before anything else. I know of a situation somewhere north, south, east, and west of here in which somebody started going to a church. These are wonderful, godly people been serving God for a long time. And a husband and wife, they got a family, started going to church at this place, and they sat on no particular pew at all. They, they had moved, they had to go here. And so they started going to church here. There's a young lady that sat on the same pew as them, just happened so, on the other end. And they became acquainted with her and got to know her and uh, they were trying to, you know, find people around them in the church so they could get to know. It's, it, it, you know, it's just not fun if you come to church and you don't know anybody. You ought to get to know some of these folks. Amen. Amen. Hey, we got some good folks around here. Yeah. This was not that case. Uh, this young lady had more in mind than a friendship. And she became a little entranced with the husband. Now, <clears throat> it should not happen at all, understand me. That's something that just should not happen. But people are people, okay? Right. Things are going to take place. Here's the problem. You don't go telling everybody else, including me, about that situation when the pastor... Don't have a clue about it. That's right. Amen. Oh my God. You're asking for it. First thing you're asking for is, hey, let's everybody talk about what's going on. But that don't have to be the case. Sister so-and-so in the back corner of the church don't have to know everything. Nobody does, but in that situation, the pastor better know quick because you can solve a lot real fast if you'll do that. That's the job that God has entrusted him with, protecting the flock. And sometimes, sometimes you got to get the wolves out of the flock. That's not your job. That's right. That's right. I'm doing a little bit of preaching right now, but it is evermore the pastor's job. We ought to let him do it. God can give him more foreknowledge about the whole situation than we can get if we talk to 50 people about what they did when they come in. What you do, brother? What, you know? what, what about the pastor? You know? Now, I'm, I'm just telling you this morning that in every situation, you're only going to benefit from talking to the pastor about it, even if it's not a big deal. Okay? So if you're missing church, you know, for whatever reason, let the pastor know so we don't have to worry. This is the flock. He's watching over the flock. So let him know. He wants to know. He wants to make sure you're okay, you know? And so... Let him know if something's going on that now everybody's been here at some point that it's just pulling your emotions apart and you're stressed out. I'm not saying dump everything that's going on on him, but if it's something serious, it would help you a ton to talk to the pastor. That's right. Now, if you're intimidated about that, you shouldn't be. If you are, Come tell me, but don't tell me for me to solve it. I'm going to take you to him. Okay? I'm the assistant pastor. And so if, if I know about it, he needs to know about it. That's what's going to happen. And let me throw this out there. We're just having, uh, we're just going to open up about everything right now, okay? I'm just letting you know, all right? So buckle up, buddy. If... I know about it, and I promise you, if pastor knows about it, my wife's going to know about it. And his wife's going to know about it. And the reason for that is there's got to be accountability. Yes, amen. There's got to be that there. It's not just 
So, you know, we I say, oh baby, you don't you don't even know what they did now. You know, I, that's not happening, okay? It's not happening. <laughs> what it is, is if sister so-and-so comes to me about this problem, my wife needs to know about the fact that she come to me with this problem. That's okay? right. And so I'm just telling you right now, so you know, if you come to me, Sister Kirsten's gonna know about it. If you come to Pastor, Sister Kim's gonna know about it. It needs to be that way. It, it ought to be that way. And thank God for it. Thank God for it because they can give us a perspective that we don't have. Amen. And so I'm, I'm illustrating to you today the order that God has placed in His church. Yeah. The way that it ought to be. It's not always this way, and it's unfortunate for people who don't take that proper route because it's only going to benefit you, praise God. Now, we've got the man David, who we know has been anointed to be the new king. Now, he's not there yet. He's been anointed. But there's still this man, boy, some kind of man, too. Saul. Uh, and everybody knows he's ready to slaughter David on the spot. He's already tried to do it. Somebody had to talk him down, you know, and give him a shoulder rub. Saul, chill out, man. You can't just go killing off everybody you don't like. But every once in a while, the Bible says that anger and rage would come across him and his spirit would sweep over him. And actually, actually, some of that was God. God had a plan to dethrone Saul and to give David the throne. Nonetheless, it was anger that was rising up in him. It was, it was Saul. It was Saul's anger. And we have these two situations in which David had an opportunity to tear down the man that God had for that hour. You always have an opportunity, I'm not telling you so you'll take it, but to tear down the man of God in your life. I hope, I hope to heaven this morning that when you're outside this church, when you're talking to other church people, when you're talking to people in your community, I hope that you don't try to tear down the church you go to. I hope that you don't try to tear down the man that God's placed in your life. That's very dangerous. Yes, it is. That's very dangerous. Uh, I'm not telling you that because our folks are going to put a hit out on you. I'm telling you because God takes very serious how we deal with the leadership He's put over us. You understand that? It's not, it's not that we've said, well, you know, Pastor LaRue, he looks more official than anybody in this church, so we're going to make him the leader. That's not the case. We didn't even say, well, he knows more about the Bible than everybody, so we're going to make him the leader. That's not the case either. God anoints men yes. to go places. And that's why a missionary goes where they go. And they've got the passion to do it. God has done that here. And so when you come against the leadership that's over you, you're not just coming against that man, you're coming against the plan of God. That's right. And then, that is where we really tread into some dangerous water. And it seems that people, buckle up, who are not busy with advancing and expanding the kingdom of God, are those who most often attack those in the church. Yes, amen. I know there's a scripture that says something about idle hands. Somebody help me out this morning. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. But I can tell you this. I can promise you this. If you busy your hands in kingdom work, come on. God is only going to bless. That's right. He's only going to bless you. And he's only going to improve your understanding of your pastor and your position in that pastor's eyes. You've got to busy yourself in kingdom work. I, I'll, I'll just uh, 
put my two cents in out of all this. I've tried to be as busy about kingdom work as I can ever since God has called me. And because of that, God has only blessed me. I wonder if there's somebody in this house, some elders or somebody who'd say, because I've busied myself with the Lord's work, I've been blessed. Somebody, I've been blessed. Amen. And I'm not wanting for anything. God takes care of me. And I've got joy in my life. Don't mean everything always works. Don't mean everything's always perfect. But I'm living a better life. That's right. Hallelujah. Those who aren't busy in the work, they're not seeing it happen at their own hands. They're finding somebody to criticize. Oh, yeah. Sister, so-and-so didn't sing my song. Oh, God. I remember when we, we kind of made a little transition on the platform here and, and moved the drum set over here. That was my idea, so if you get mad, just get mad. But somebody said, uh, well, you know, and it was in good hearted when they said this. Well, I don't know if, you know, everybody's going to like that. I just, you know. And I said, if that stirs up a ruckus in this church, oh, Lord, then we know what we're preaching about next Sunday. But you get what I'm saying? Things that are small. You know, when you're not busy in the kingdom work, it's so easy to find things to criticize. Anybody can do that. I'm talking, I've, how about this? I've done that, and I've had to take correction from God. Because naturally, then this is what happens. I'm going to fill you in. When a pastor or a minister goes to a service in another church, camp meeting, something like that, they're not in the middle of the service. They're just out in the congregation. They naturally have this thing that kicks in where they're like paying attention to the service, how it's all going, you know. It's natural because we do that when we're here right. in our own church. And you can become critical of the people and everything that's going on, you know, when really you could busy yourself in worship. That's right. And you wouldn't be doing that. Now, I'm going to throw another one out there. I'm so all these notes, it's not even funny, but. I'm going to throw another one out there. When you're in the middle of church and something about that service or somebody is just, you can't get out of your mind and you're watching them or you're, and, you, and you're thinking, why did they do that? Or whatever it is. I want you to step back next time that happens and think, how is my worship this service? Now, there's a man that is, is by no means of godly sorts, but he's a philosopher that has this proverb that he just preaches to everybody that says, get your own house in order before you criticize the next one. Sometimes that's what we've got to do. I'm going to get my worship in order. Let God know that I'm here before I get on all that. Now, I'm not telling you there's not a place for elders and, and people who've been living for God in the church to say something to people, you know, and try to improve what they're doing, help them out. And maybe sometimes it's a little critical and that's okay. But what's different is when it removes things from our relationship with God, when it's pulling away from our praise, our worship, that's not there. We can become critical. And so this, this is... The situation with Saul, he had, he'd become what you ought to be doing, Saul. What you need to be doing is running your kingdom right. How come, Saul, that you send men that ought to be fighting in battle against other nations that are all against us right now? You remove those men from battle and send them after David? Oh, Saul, you're after other people. You need to be after yourself. And how you run this kingdom. And so David's got every reason. He's got every reason in the world. So does everybody else to take care of Saul if the opportunity comes. The first opportunity comes, Saul's resting in a cave. Everybody remember that? He's resting in a cave. 
And uh, though Saul did not know it, he had happened upon David's hiding place. And here we were in the cave of Adullam, and Saul had chosen that exact location as a camp. And taking extreme caution, David and his men shrank back against the dark walls of this cave. Can't you just see? It's almost like what they see a bear walk in. You know, it's like everybody's back in the shadows now. You know, because Saul, Saul, once he finds out that David's here, it'll be a different story. And so he falls asleep, and <clears throat> this situation has arisen. David's band of men breathe this sigh of relief. When Saul and his, his men went to sleep, and they're you know now they're not really a threat, and in whispered conversation, you know temptation comes about, and they encourage David to end the struggle. You struggled with this man for so long; it's been a thorn in your side, it's been a drag on your life. You've got an opportunity to end the stress, end the struggle. Do it now. Saul is right here at our hands. Kill him and be done with it. Now, that sounds great when you're reading through the Bible to that point. You know, it's like, finally, we get rid of this guy. So I'm so done with him, you know. But it's amazing how people that are around you can give you the wrong advice. And sometimes we'll just take it. Because it sounds good. A lot of times it'll be from people who are not spiritual whatsoever. Right. They don't got enough Holy Ghost in them to buzz off a peach, somebody said. And but boy, that, you know, that sounds good. You know. That's how I can get rid of this whole mess. Again, might be a great time to talk to Pastor. Amen. Maybe call the prophet that anointed you. So what do I do about this situation? Well. That didn't happen, but he had enough wisdom to know that this was not the right thing to do. Could it be that if David had ended it the way that he wanted to right there, God may have pulled the anointing off of David that he had placed on him? That's right. I thought you were different, David. I thought you were after my heart. It looks to me like you're after your heart if you're going to kill him. I've got my own time in this, David. That's not what he did. He had wisdom. And he actually cut off a piece of Saul's robe in the moment. And it's amazing because he did that and he had dismay at doing that. At disrespecting Saul by cutting a piece off of his robe. Is that not touching to you today? That even he didn't even go through with what he was being tempted with, but he just cuts off a piece of the robe. And he's dismayed by that. That he's disrespected the man that God has placed in his life. Maybe you don't even realize sometimes what you've said around the man of God in your life that might have been disrespectful. It may have been. I'm not, I'm not saying that's happened, but it just may be. Consider your speech toward the man God's placed in your life. Because this, I'm going to tell you what it is. Really, it is the mouth of God that He's placed in your life. When God wishes to speak a word, He looks for His anointing. The leadership that He's put around you, the people that are close to you, and He speaks it through them. That's what they are. It's the mouth of God that He has placed in your very life. And David has cut his garment. David's inclination was to now protect the leader of this nation, not to harm him. Everybody else was all for slay him. Go ahead, take care of it. We're done with this man. And the default setting of David's life was to be respectful to others and to the leadership in his life. How wonderful it would be if we all had that same default. Amen. Sister Ruth says something sometimes that is so good. She says, uh, what kind of church would my church be if everybody in my church was just like me? Now, if I'm disrespectful to others and everybody's like me, we're going to have a church split before long. 
we're all going to be at each other's throats, you know. If, if I don't, I, I'm just throwing this all out there, giving you some different scenarios. If I don't put anything in the offering, and everybody is just like me, we're going to be buying candles next week because the electricity is going to be out. Amen. Am I living in such a way that, you know, would be acceptable for everybody in the church, in God's church? And David tells his men, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 6, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stated his servants with these words. David's words of respect for Saul include these two phrases. My master and the anointed of the Lord. Now you and I probably would not call that man, you know, in today's setting, well, that's an anointed man. But he had been at one time and he was still in the role. And David had respect for him because of that anyway. Maybe you don't agree necessarily with what is being done. You still got to respect who God places in your life. Amen. And not just the leadership, the people around you. We got to be respectful to one another. That's right. Years ago, Brother Billy Cole, I watched this sermon and because of the times he gets up and you, know, you never know what he's going to preach, but he preached a sermon in which he basically told this auditorium full of pastors and wives, our problem today is not that we don't got good music, good preaching. You know, we, we, we've got great churches, buildings and everything. Well, the resources that are in our hands, the problem while we can't break through in revival is the fact that we're all against each other. And if this church is having revival, that church is mad because of it. You know? And if this brother's being used, this brother over here is mad because of it. And there's no respect. And so he preached a tremendous convicting sermon, but at the end of it, you know what he did? He had everybody stand and said, I want you to find somebody other than your spouse same sex, go find them. Stand in front of them and face them. And so you got this building of people moving around everywhere and they're finding somebody and they're facing each other. And he told them, I want you to tell that person and mean it. I love you. I respect you. And I want revival in your life. Now, if we can't do that to one another, I love you this morning. I respect you. And I want God's revival in your life. Amen. And if you get promoted and, and you're doing all this and everything for the Lord, I'm still going to want that for you. Amen. That ain't going to change. That ought to be with everybody. Everybody in this church. Everybody in every church. It may not be that way, but it ought to be. Amen. And so he did not kill him. He had the opportunity. David had an opportunity again. Saul was pursuing David. And this time, Saul's men were again asleep in their encampment. And David and Abishai, a warrior loyal to David, slipped into Saul's camp. Abishai saw this as an opportunity to bring Saul's pressure to an end. End it, David. Do it this time. And Abishai said, I'll do it. If you ain't going to do it, just give me the word and I'll kill him. Remember he said, I'll drive the spear into his head and I won't have to do it again. That's basically what he told him. Just let me do it. Say the word. And David's respect is observed again. Saul being the Lord's anointed was significant to David. And he says, this is his words to Abishai. Who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed? Don't do it. That's the anointed man for the hour. A person seldom goes wrong, hear me today, by extending respect to another. 
It's hard to go wrong doing that. Rare occasions. But by contrast, disrespect toward another person, even somebody who seems to deserve little respect whatsoever, will often result in unintended consequences. It feels good at the time to do that, but it'll cause something else. David's final statement on the matter was an expression of confidence in his God. He didn't know how Saul was going to perish. He didn't know how one day he would lose his throne, but he knew that he would, and God would use David. And so David left the matter in God's hands. And this is how I want to end this this morning. Why is it difficult at times to be patient and leave matters in God's hands? Sometimes it's so hard because we are control freaks. If it's not happening at our time, in our way, we've got a problem with it. Maybe, maybe in this room this morning, you've got a situation you've been presented with in your life where you have a soul. Now, I'm off the leadership respect thing right now. But there's something or somebody in your life that is a thorn that you've dealt with a long time and you've been presented with the opportunity I could just take care of them. They are exposed. This is the time. I don't think anything bad would come of it. The only thing that could come of it was peace for me. It'd solve everything. You'd wake up stress-free. Go to sleep easy. Just take care of that situation on your own. You know what God says? He says, why won't you trust me? I know I've prolonged this, but I need you to trust me. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room this morning. You can take the matter into your own hands. Drive the spear in, only do it once and be done. pain you would have when the anointing is released off of you. You find out it wasn't worth it. It's hard. It's hard. It's so hard to give God everything and say, Lord, however you want to do it, that's okay. We want to take matters into our own hands. It's not always being disrespectful. Maybe it just seems like the right thing to do at the time. Things can seem right, but don't mean they are right. But God is calling out this morning. He's saying, I want somebody who they'll just release control to me. David, there's going to be a time where I'll give you every bit of that throne. It's coming. I know you'd love for it to be right now. Now's not the time. But we're all going to see right now how much you trust your God. And if it's real. Is your heart, you, you, are you really after God's own heart? When people, your close friends are saying, brother, sister, you've been dealing with that too long. It's time to take care of them. You had too much stress and strife with that for a long time. You know what to do. Just do it. I'll help you with it. Oh God, what a mistake it might be. But the timing of God. What was it Pastor said last Sunday? Something about God's timing doesn't run by your little watch. You realize God's not bound by time. He's in eternity. And so, 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're all bound by that. At a certain point today, you've got to go to sleep. Hopefully you're not going to sleep right now. But you're bound by time. God is not. And he's got a perfect agenda. There's going to come a day. We don't know when. But we sing soon and very soon. He's going to throne the governments of this world. And the spirit of the Antichrist that's at work in our world today is going to be shattered in about a second when we hear him coming in the clouds. That's God's timing. And it's his way. We're not going to change it. But here's the thing, folks. The end of this book says if anybody takes away or adds unto, they're going to have their part in the lake of fire. This is history. It doesn't include what's going on in your life right now, but God has a word for your life today. And you can't change it. I can't change it. It's going to be His way. And if I do anything else, the anointing is going to flow off of me. It's going to be gone. And I've lost that. What I want for everybody in this room is more annoying, not less. I want to see you get to that point God wants you at. I want to see you grow. I want to see God take what used to be just a grain of sand and form it into a pearl. But it's all by His process. What's the process for you today? What is it that God's been trying to get you to do? Or, or been saying, just wait, just wait and let me do it. I don't know what that is this morning, but I know this. If you'll surrender everything to Him, forget your intentions, what you think needs to happen. It's all going to be the perfect timing of God. Let's stand together this morning. Because all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you love God this morning, would you lift your hands in this room? I know, I know there's, there's somebody in this room you've been dealing with Saul for a long time. And you'd like to take his life.